Beginner's call. This is your beginner's call. Will all show beginners please make their way to the studio? Tonight's performance of Overstudies is about to begin. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Overstudies podcast. You should have been there. You should have seen it. Because we're talking this week about... Everybody's talking about Jimmy. This is going to be a... a, a chaotic podcast to be honest even more so than usual because the sensational show has stepped back into london and we're going to be giving our thoughts on on all of it yeah this is a show that we both love and actually does mean quite a lot to us so i'm very excited to actually get to chat about this show especially as a northern girly yeah it's one we wanted to give the overstudies treatment to for quite some time now but we were saving it until we were able to see it together that we have done at press night for the latest London production, um, part of the touring production. We were gifted our tickets to that. So as always, we'll get that little disclaimer out of the way, but it is our honest view on everything that we thought and presenting it in our usual unfiltered self. I am just excited to dive straight in. So I think we'll do our introductions and just get straight to it shall we 100% my name is Charlie mine's Becky we are the overstudies and if you want to get in touch with us and let us know your thoughts on everybody's talking about Jamie on the podcast on shows in general you can do that by emailing us stage at overstudies.co.uk you can also find us on Instagram and threads we are at overstudies blog we are on blue sky just search overstudies.co.uk and if you want to contact us through our website, you can find us at overstudies.co.uk. Yes, all of those methods work. And don't forget as well, wherever you are getting your podcast, click that little subscribe button to be the first to know about all of our new episodes. And if you can, give us a little five-star rating as well. Yeah, we won't complain. No, if we won't complain at any rating unless it's a one-star and then we'll be having words. Then then we might have an issue with it, but... All, all feedback and all conversation is more than welcome. Indeed. If you are listening on Spotify as well, we will have our question of the week. You'll be able to see that now, but we'll tell you what it is a little bit later on. Yeah. Keep your ears tuned in to find that out. Yes. So rocking up at London's Peacock Theatre on a cold February evening. Why would we do that? Well, it's only to see one of the most glittery and camp shows that has come out of the UK in the last decade, I would say. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with that. This, of course, as we've said, is Everybody's Talking About Jamie, the musical based on the very true story of a northern kid who just wants to grow up to become a drag queen. Yes. So I love this little snippet of information about this show is that this is based on a very, very real story and is actually based on a documentary, which you can find and watch still, which I highly recommend for any fans of the show called Jamie Drag Queen at 16. Can't remember exactly where it is, but it's definitely on a streaming service somewhere. I think it's BBC. I, I think, think it was a BBC, BBC. player one. Um, but if it isn't, I'm sure you can Google it and find out where that lives at the moment. But it is genuinely such a lovely and heartwarming story and clearly was heartwarming and inspiring enough to be turned into a production for the stage. Yeah, completely. This was a show that captured the attention of the musician Dan Gillespie-Sells, who many may know from a band called The Feeling. 
um, who worked on it and along with Tom McRae, who did the books and the lyrics um, and created this show that we see today. So should we give a little snippet of the plot without giving too many spoilers away? Yeah. So there is Jamie New, who is at school somewhere in South Yorkshire and wants to grow up to become a drag queen. Somewhere in South Yorkshire. I thought you wanted would want to say very it. specifically Sheffield. I didn't want to take that away from you as our I resident know. Northern girl. I know it means a lot to me seeing a show set in Sheffield. That is a bit of a tongue twister, to be honest. So we follow Jamie at school, and like I say, his dream of just wanting to grow up to become a drag queen. Most people want to be airline pilots or superstars or anything like that, and I suppose to an extent, Jamie knew no different. Yes, but that doesn't sit well with his teachers, does it? doesn't sit well with his teachers it doesn't sit well with many of the people in his life to be honest apart from his mum and his mum's best friend yes it's all down to margaret and ray for keeping the dream alive and an unlikely assistant should we say who we might meet along the way yes jamie goes out in search of an outfit essentially, because his first step on his journey to becoming a drag queen is wearing a dress to prom. Yes. And but even before that, finding out who your drag queen is. Yes. And he he does that through the help of Loco Chanel. Yes. Loco Chanel being the alter ego of Hugo, um, former drag extraordinaire and now just running a little shop in Sheffield. Because, you know, that's what happens to all the best performers. They end up moving to Sheffield. Moving on, Hugo makes Jamie want to realise his dreams and helps him along the way to do so by giving him his first ever drag show and of course then culminating in going to the school prom in that all-important dress. Yes, there's a lot of trials and tribulations that happen along the way but everybody's talking about Jamie is, at the end of the day, a happy story. We we know that things are going to end up positive because I don't think you could go into such a camp opening number without knowing that things are going to be okay in the end. Yes, that is indeed the case, but it isn't always easy going along there. And this is a story not just about Jamie himself, but also a lot of the people in his life and a lot of the challenges and problems that life can throw at us. And it's a story really, without sounding too much of a cliche, about all of our own personal journeys, however you're watching it and whatever you do. And some of the decisions we make, or indeed some of the decisions or the choices or the impacts and events that just get thrust upon us. Yes, I really, I genuinely think that everyone can take something away from this show and relate to this show in whatever way possible. Because while it is so specific about a boy wanting to be a drag queen, not everyone will experience that there's messages and themes throughout that resonate with everyone regardless of your background and I think that that's what makes Jamie a show that has been so popular with so many different people over the years and one of the reasons why we still see it today so many years later and after multiple tours Yeah, this is the most recent tour of the show. It took a little bit of a hiatus um, kind of through 2022-2023, but it's even made it over to America doing a stint on tour in Los Angeles as well. Yes, yes, it did. I was intrigued by this choice, I think I must say. Um, But yeah, it's even graced 
the uh, sunny, sunny lands of West Coast America, which is quite impressive for a story about a boy from Sheffield. Do the people in America even know where Sheffield is? Do the people in the UK even know where Sheffield is? Steel City is quite important. Uh, yeah, but could you pinpoint it on a map? I could. I don't think I could, and I'm <laughs> from 20 minutes down the road, you know. <laughs> that says more about your geography than anything else, Bessie. I know, I'm terrible. I'm terrible with maps. So if you can't see Jamie, it is also, of course, the subject of an Amazon Prime film. So go and check that out as well if you want a little hint or a snippet. But keep an eye out first and foremost for if that tour is coming near you anytime soon. Yes, all the tour dates are available online. Just head to the Everybody's Talking About Jamie website. Find out where things are heading. So shall we share a bit of our history now with the show? Because I think we've hinted that we've been keeping an eye on this show for quite a while. But should we dive into that history a little bit more? Yeah, so I have been aware of Jamie since its very, very early days, to be quite honest. It's a show that I very much followed kind of some of the early development of. I didn't get to go and see it in Sheffield at the Crucible Theatre, but I was able to go and see it on the West End not long after it opened with a close friend of mine at the time and kind of fell in love with it straight away, to be honest. It is one of those shows that I think the first time you see it, it just captures your imagination so quickly. And I had a similar experience in that I didn't get to see it in Sheffield, but I saw a live broadcast in the cinema of a performance directly from Sheffield when the show had kind of almost finished its initial opening run way back in 2017. And I just remember thinking, you know what, this is pretty special. This is something that I'm going to keep an eye on. And if I get chance to actually see it in person, I'll, I will definitely snap up that chance as soon as I can. Yeah, I saw it back in January 2018. Um, in fact, for my 25th birthday, um, which was a very long time ago at this very rate. long time ago um, but it was also kind of towards the beginning of my own kind of journey with gender identity so it really helped in understanding some of that but also kind of having something to relate to and go no i i can actually vibe with a lot of the themes of this show it is something that is still relevant kind of no matter your age and even today yeah and i mean i can't relate to that side of it but i can see why six years ago, seven years ago, this was such a powerful story for people. Because I think aside from Kinky Boots, I can't think of another show that deals with gender identity in this way that has had such a wide appeal and is so accessible. Yeah, I think there's definitely other shows out there, but nothing quite of the same, certainly commercial success either. And you mentioned Kinky Boots there. This came to the West End not long after Kinky Boots had closed. It might have overlapped slightly. I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But it was really nice having two very kind of visible shows, but also two very different shows um, dealing with very similar themes. But Kinky Boots for a much kind of older audience, whereas Jamie is very much aimed at teenagers or young adults in general. And I think that's all the makes it all the more stronger. And certainly it's become a very popular show to take school groups to. Yeah, it really has. Um, and I think I can understand why, because 
one thing I will say about as my experience growing up in the North, seeing Northern teenagers represented on stage in like such a casual way that is so matter of fact and isn't a big deal. It was, I think, one of the first times that I'd seen it in a way that didn't feel like being Northern was the butt of the joke. It just was part of the show. And I think that that's what I mean when I say that this show is so ingrained in being Northern that I think for me, I notice a lot of the Northernness of it, but I don't think that excludes anyone from enjoying the show. But when you get the little nods and the little kind of almost like a bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, it just makes it all the more special. And I think that's why the show has always had such a special place in my heart over the years because of that just unapologetic Yorkshireness to it. Yeah. I mean, even for me, there was a little line in there about um, the super tram always being late and uh, just quite tickled me. If you're from Sheffield, you'll know if you're not, you'll know that super tram is notoriously unreliable if it's even running. It's not running this week. <laughs> of course it's not. <laughs> And of course, you know that information. <laughs> There's a points failure and it's caused a lot of big issues. And that's for a different podcast, to be fair. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that for when you do a spinoff just about trains. <laughs> Maybe one day. One day. I'll get you one to guest. Mm. Um, everybody talking about Jamie, though, is like you say, it's one of those shows that really kind of captures the hearts. And we've said before on this podcast as well about some of the fantastic northern theatres that are producing works. And really, whilst this has now been taken on by one of the big producing houses, it really does owe all of its um, history and its genesis to Sheffield Crucible, which is a very well-known and very well-regarded and respected producing theatre. And I, I just really wish I'd kind of had the chance to have seen it in that original production, because I think there would have been something so special about seeing it in Sheffield. I, I agree with you. And I think the closest thing that I have with my experience seeing the show is I actually saw the show for the first time on stage in 2021. I saw the show in Leeds, which is not Sheffield, but it's as close as you're going to get without being in Sheffield in terms of big northern cities. I was say Rotherham enters the chat. No one cares about Rotherham. Um, apologies <laughs> don't even get me started on <laughs> Barnsley babe um sorry to anyone who is from Barnsley or Rotherham listening um but I'm I'm a Leeds girly so sorry um but no seeing seeing the show with a northern audience is such a different experience to seeing it with a London audience and I don't I don't think I've realized how much of a difference it would make until we saw the show at the Peacock Theatre and there is just something so special about that collective understanding of everyone in the room, getting those jokes and getting those little nods to even, you know, like the local area that you might not know that well, but you know where Sheffield is and you know what it's like because pretty much every other northern city in Yorkshire is like that. There's something so like homely about it. And I, I know that taking my parents um, and my auntie to see it, 
they both said the same thing. They said it just felt like familiar. And while the story was not something they were expecting, there was it was like coming home, even though they were home, technically. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, to be honest. And I think that was something interesting. And we'll come on to this a little bit more later on. But it was certainly interesting seeing it at the Peacock of some of those jokes, not quite in jokes, but like, geographical jokes completely missing some people by and i'm not from the north but i am an honorary northerner and i did grow up in derbyshire not too far from sheffield and spent quite a lot of time in sheffield so i do get a lot of these jokes that other people don't and i think it is a shame and this is something that we've said before on this show about kind of like press nights in general as well is that sometimes you don't always get a true feeling for a show audience because a lot of the people attending it aren't always theatre fans or also aren't always necessarily people who are going to see the show as it is. Like they might be fans of the show, but even though you're a fan of the show, you're still not necessarily going to get some of the reference. But like I say, we'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll definitely touch on that. But I think overall, our experience of Jamie has been very positive so far. Yeah, 100%. It's a show, like I say, that has got a lot of meaning to me. And even as far as like the soundtrack and stuff goes, it's, it's one that definitely gets put on repeat every now and then for a little while. I mean, first thing this morning, you were playing it to wake up. So it has that effect on people. It really does. Like if you're ever having a down day and you need to just get yourself in a mood to keep going and, and do whatever it is you need to do, just put on either the opening number or everybody talks about Jamie and you'll you'll snap up right out of it and you'll be ready to go. 100%. So should we talk about the things that we like about the show? Yes. Well, we can't not mention the score straight away. And seeing as I've kind of mentioned it already, we'll stick to that. The music is by far for me the strongest and the most iconic part of this show. You've got everything in there. I have to agree. And it's not often that we both have exactly the same thoughts when it comes to music but Jamie has one of the if not the best kind of contemporary pop scores that I have heard come out of this country in a long long time it is so catchy and so upbeat but also so heartbreaking at the same time, it's like it has all the elements that you want from a musical and all the songs just flow so well into each other. Even though you go from the happiest and upbeat opening number to actually one of the most heartbreaking numbers in the entire show straight afterwards, you don't feel disconnected or disjointed. It's It just makes sense. and. Sometimes when you have a few different genres and tempos in a show, you do feel that disconnect. But with Jamie, you can understand it because you're seeing this story through the eyes of a 16-year-old boy who sees the world in such a fantastical way and a dramatic way that going from being super happy to being actually incredibly sad makes a lot of sense. Yeah, this is one of the incredibly clever and really interesting parts about the score 
in general is that as as you've said we have those incredibly happy and adrenaline pumping and euphoric moments and then immediately they can be some of the most heart-wrenching and heartbreaking songs in musical theater as a whole like this score is up there with the greats a hundred percent and i think that's why we often see songs from this show performed in cabaret concerts and our favorite roles will never play. There's always a Jamie song that gets thrown in there because it is so appealing to so many people and everyone just wants a chance to have a go at singing some of these songs. Yeah, I wish I had the range to sing any of these songs properly, Same. to be honest, because I, honestly, I, I would be in my element. I'll just stick to doing it around my kitchen to be honest um but yeah i don't to, just to use an example of this like the opening number and you don't even know it is a huge like hugely powerful opening number really gets you in the mood for what's going on as we say very camp sets the scene of in a school and what jamie wants and then literally second song in we're into one of the saddest songs in all of musical theater the wall in my head yeah like brave really brave to have such a powerful like we're talking like on my own levels of sadness here yeah which is a in the right place in the second act and this is right at the start but you can't not tell this story without talking about those challenges like i can say from my own personal experience what that wall is like when you're trying to be yourself and in a society in a place where different is not always seen as a good thing like it is really scary. And I think as well, The Wall in My Head is just such a great song at summing up those emotions and those feelings. And that's a theme that continues throughout the show. It's a great way of setting you up for the expectation of with all the joy comes the constant battle that Jamie is going through, not just Jamie, but his family as well, of wanting to be true to yourself but also wanting the best for the people around you. And that constant kind of torment of trying to understand what the best step forward is. Quite literally, do you take the step in your brand new shiny red heels or do you put your comfortable shoes on because they're safe and familiar? Always wear the bright red heels. I mean, you always wear the bright red heels. You always wear the comfortable shoes. I've got weak ankles, babe. Like, <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> my, my feet will snap otherwise. Yeah, don't do that. I think this is entirely what it's about, though, this show, is that there is something in there for everybody. But we can go from these very powerful and strong moments straight to getting whiplash because we've gone to some of the most vulnerable and hardest things of the show like a, a song that always gets me every single time is it means beautiful by which is sung by pretty jamie's best friend and even just the character pretty is such a, a fascinating supporting character but actually a main character in her own right as well and the song it means beautiful just sums up this idea that beauty is different for everyone and to an extent we have a choice in that but also we don't always have a choice in that but also just because somebody else doesn't understand something or doesn't see something as beautiful it doesn't mean that it's not and i just i think that that's such a 
like I say, powerful and vulnerable moment in the show as well, then it, it I always cry at that point if I've not already cried, which I generally have done. I think that's one of my favorite moments as well. And I think that this is why this show resonates with so many people is that it's beyond just gender identity and how that manifests. It spreads to all identity and however you choose to present yourself to the world and how that resonates with what you are inside, I think can just apply to so many different things. And I think that by doing this in such an accessible way to people, it just strengthens that message and makes that song even more powerful. Yeah, you're completely right. And that is also kind of one of the things that's so great about Jamie as well, though, is that you can make it like for yourself about whatever you want it to be as well. Like obviously there is the story and there is the overarching view of Jamie realizing his dreams, but you can use that as a metaphor for for what you want. And if you want to focus on some of the more on less on the the big part, but more on like how that might relate to your own life, whatever you, you can, and you can take it as a very nice story of hope and of follow your dreams because it will be worth it even if there is a little bit of pain along the way and i think to finish off our little chat about the music i guess that's when you see those moments of hope coming through in the score it's just even more rewarding almost because you get to experience that joy along with the characters of the almost like the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle slotting into place. And that happens so well through the music that it's just, it's just a joy to watch. Like it is genuinely so fun to watch, but also beautiful to listen to those constructing building blocks gradually get stronger and stronger and building not a wall that's a negative, but building a wall that's almost protective. So it's not stopping you from showing yourself to the world, but it's actually protecting the you that you are creating inside. Yeah, that's exactly kind of it. And it is one of those soundtracks that is very good at achieving that. And you could, you could just even strip out a lot of the lyrics and just the music itself tells the story even without adding the words um if you're familiar with the the actual music of dan gillespie sells and the feeling um it is very similar to um one of their early albums i think might have been their debut album 12 stops and home which is how i first discovered the feeling and that as well is a very beautiful album and it's got a lot of similarities and overlaps with the score of everybody's talking about jamie but they were being written around similar sort of times it's very much like sad girl hours, but with like bubbly pop music. Oh yeah, completely. And, and that's Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> sad girl hours with bubbly pop music. Which leads us nicely onto the choreography, which I think is something else that we both absolutely adored with this show. Although there was one massive flaw. And what was that? There is no unnecessary tap number. Annoyingly, I can see where it had fit in. Yeah. And... I just think, you know, that second act, we just need to somehow slot in a tap number. And there's multiple opportunities you could stick that in, but 
I think give Ray tap shoes. <laughs> it makes it makes sense. It would. Would it not? It would. I think that is the only thing this this show is missing is a completely unnecessary but somehow necessary tap number. I agree with you. But overall, I think one of my favorite parts of the show is the choreography and this is really a show for dancers. Like it is so perfect for people who are fans of contemporary modern and jazz because it gets that mixture between those styles which are quite similar admittedly but it makes it so timeless in a way like I don't feel like the choreography has changed that much from when I first saw the show in the live streaming to what it is now and that's, you know, quite a long time for the choreo to feel the same, but it doesn't feel dated. It feels very relevant and unique to the show. Yeah, we've seen some stuff along similar kind of styles with that kind of modern contemporary feel, but the way that Jamie does it is very young as it needs to be for something set in a school but still feels very very fresh like it it hasn't changed that much since i first saw the show five years ago but it feels as fresh as it did then and i think that that's a real credit to both the the, the cast that are actually obviously performing it and making it happen and also to the show's choreographer kate price who has done a fantastic job of putting it all together um and also choreoed the film if we care about that I mean, we do, but I think we're going to save the film for a separate episode Yeah, because I have thoughts on the film that deserve a full hour of everyone's time um, <laughs> because of who I am as a person and I'm a film nerd. But no, genuinely, the choreo is one of my favorite parts of the show. And I love the way that the choreography intertwines with the set and the set intertwines with the band. I'm not jumping on Charlie's production corner, don't worry, but we have some very multi-purpose set pieces that work as a stage, that work as desks, that work as random wall pieces, etc., etc. But when these are used within the dance routines, they're used to emphasize the percussion, which if you get that right, it sounds fantastic. You get that wrong. You've got desks slamming all over the place, but it never misses a beat. It's always so perfectly in time and just gets the punchy nature of the music across even more. It's fantastic. And I wish that I could get that sound and how that works onto this podcast to really truly describe it. But it, Every time it just brings such a smile to my face because it makes everything work as one. Yeah. And I just, it, it makes me happy. I'm a dancer fan first, musical fan second. So uh, it always, anything that unites everything makes me happy. No, that's, I think that's very fair to be honest. And, and we, yeah, we know all about your dancer first and everything else second. So makes perfect sense we do have slightly different views on some parts of the choreo though don't we yeah i really like all of it and you have one part that doesn't 
quite sit with you. There's one bit in the show that I think is beautiful, like objectively a really nice bit of choreography and a really nice moment in the show. I just think it's unnecessary for telling that part of the story. And I think that song could be done far more justice as a soliloquy. I think I understand your point. I politely disagree with you, but we do have a number in the show where Jamie's mum, Margaret, is essentially talking about how her and Jamie's dad met and how she regrets that choice, but also doesn't regret it because it's led her to where she is right now. Beautiful number. If I met myself again, it's one of my favorite numbers in the show, but I do spend that entire number listening and watching the dancers instead who are doing this really beautiful, um, lyrical, contemporary, essentially acting out the story of the past, which has always stuck out to me. But I also understand why people who maybe are not as familiar with that dance style don't necessarily get it as much. Yeah, I think it's it's not quite interpretive dance, but it's that kind of vibe, um, to be honest, of being very like flowing and everything kind of all the movement is very delicate. And like I say, it is an incredible piece of choreography and theatre in general. I just I don't for me, it's just unnecessary for that song. Like I don't need that song being acted out. The words and the music does it for me. It's just a di- d- distraction. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I, like I say, I pay more attention to the dancing, and the music is secondary. But I, ju- I just think it's nice. It is nice, I'm- and <laughs> I, th- I always like it. Um, but again, dancer first, musical fan second. Yeah. So we'll we'll agree to disagree on that one. No, fair enough. Um other things though that I really like about the show in general, I think there is some fantastic costuming in place. And I also think that the set design is also, as you've kind of touched on, is really nice and fits in really nicely with the the show and the piece as a whole as well. I'm not gonna do a full production corner on this one because it's not particularly like there's there's nothing like mind blowing as such but I do think it's a very clever use of the space and the options. And I think the the use of the different benches and, and tables and chairs and the the bit there's a bit of the set that like flaps out into the middle, which creates quite a nice use of depth and stuff as well. And I think how all of these different elements come together does really help to create a very enjoyable visual spectacle that is an appropriate backdrop for the story being told. It's very much a functional set and we love a functional set. We do. And I don't think I realized just how functional it was until I saw it this time around because I was specifically looking out for things that I hadn't seen in the show before. And it is a show that is so much about flair and over the top and glitter and sparkle and big, bold statements that I'm kind of glad that the set is a bit more reserved and just does what it needs to do. We have some really clever use of projections and 
just video design through a couple of the numbers, which I also think just help elevate that set. But the set's primary focus is support, not detraction from the story. And I think a show like this needs a set like that. And I'm just really glad that we've kept that throughout the production. And I do think that everything on that set needs to be there. There's there's clearly nothing that doesn't add to it, but it's all in a way that's still putting the story and the music first. And I think that by far is is the strength of Jamie is the story and the music. And I choose my words deliberately there. I think my final strength that I'd like to touch on particularly at the moment is we've kind of hinted at this already, but I think that for me, Jamie, in terms of the story is so much more than just a story about a boy who wants to be a drag queen. And I think that we look at the conversations it has about religion, about race, about family. And I think there's so much more under the surface that often does get overlooked. And I would just like to praise the care and attention to detail that is given to some of those characters, particularly the character of Pretty. You know, she has a beautiful conversation about the hijab that she wears and what it means to her and how that fits into her life and where she sees that kind of progressing as she gets older. And I just think to have a show that is so unapologetic in those conversations, but also in a very gentle and understanding way that people don't feel like they're necessarily being taught something. But I know for sure there are people who go into Jamie learning something new and coming out of that show and going, oh, I'd never considered things like that. And I think that that is one of this show's strengths is that it truly is just kind in the way that it handles the conversations that it's having without feeling like you're being lectured. And I think that's why it's a show that will continue to stick around because of those positive messages that it can bring to people. Yeah, I completely agree with all that. Like I've said, this is a story about life in general and there is something there for everybody to take away from it but and i and i also completely agree i think that this is a show that's got a lot of traction and a lot of life around it and and wherever it goes and whoever sees it there is going to be some sort of positive message to take from it but i think this also leads me into a bit of the show that i don't think really works and isn't certainly for me as strong as it could be and unfortunately, that is a lot of the actual book of the show. Yes. I know that we don't always agree on stuff, so I'm sure you will have your own thoughts on this as well. But I like the other subplots that we've got about family, about race, about religion. And whilst they are done very delicately and there is a lot of importance put into them, at the same time, they do just seem like side plots. And and I think some of this is probably just because of where discourse in general and society in general has shifted since I've seen it 
the first time I saw the show. But a lot of the drag related parts of the story, which obviously is fundamental and is very important there, but it now seems that that gets a lot more weight put on it than some of the equally important parts about self-identity. Because for me, that is what Jamie has always been about is individuality and finding and being your true self. Whether that is as a drag queen or whether that is choosing to wear a hijab, whatever you take from that is a good thing and is important. And for me, I just don't think the book lives up to what the music is conveying and what the characters in their purest form convey. And I think if I was going to look at the show, now is probably a great time to pause it after this tour, do some reworks, redraft some bits of it because i think that that's where some of the messages can start to get lost and that's where is this show about the importance of being yourself and of living differently in air quotes in a very traditional world still um you know let's be under no illusions that being a drag queen or being an lgbtq plus person in 2024 is easy it is not and there is still a lot of hate out there that we do see on the stage but sometimes some of that hate gets quite rightly told where to go but we don't always understand that actually those hurtful comments are really hurtful and i think this is also seen in some of the language used around some of the drag queens themselves and the way that drag is portrayed on the stage isn't always helpful under a 2024 spotlight but that's a separate argument but I just think with the book, there are some elements to it that are that could be made clearer and could be made stronger. And I think as well, this is based on a true story and the story is relevant and we have to obviously respect the true story. And there would be no Jamie without the story of the real Jamie. But also when do we want this show to be set? I think is also an important part about the book and granted some of the staging and costuming as well, but it is a timeless story. Absolutely. This is a story that is unfortunately probably going to be relevant for a very, very long time in many different respects and many different ways, but we need to either commit to setting it when the true story happened, which is getting on for 10 years ago at this rate, or we need to commit to keeping it, fresh and keeping it contemporary. I don't think at the moment it seems to be having a little bit of a let's try and be contemporary and set it in 2024. It doesn't say when it's set, but you get the feelings from some of the choices to try and set it in 2024, but a book that's still set in 2014. And I think those kind of issues for me now unfortunately do start to detract from the show and certainly remove some of my enjoyment and my love for the show. I think it's a difficult balance to strike with a show like this is that you want to remind people that these conversations and some of the bigotry that we see in the show is very relevant and very real today. And you almost don't want to act like this is a thing of the past. You want to kind of maintain that hope without 
making it seem like everything's fixed. And I do appreciate that that is quite a difficult balance to get. Um, I do agree with some of the points being made about the references. When I saw the show for the first time on stage, a lot of the jokes had little COVID references in them. And I think for that time, when we were all coming back to the theatres, things were, you know, shifting back to the new normal. That was funny and that was relevant. And I think that I'm glad that's not still there, but I also don't necessarily want to see those jokes being updated every time I see it because I feel like it focuses more on the comedy then and how we can get cheap laughs in than the message of the story. But I do think that picking a time period and sticking to it will just help to strengthen things so much more and just give the show a very solid grounding to continue to grow and continue to be accessible to people. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think it's not just about being accessible to people, but it's also what people can take away from it. It's a show that quite rightly has got the um, possibility for a very broad and varied audience. And as I keep saying, I think there is something in the show for pretty much everyone. And by having that kind of firmer foundation and that slightly better grounding of of what the show wants to be, ultimately, without sounding too cringy, but kind of using the show a little bit self-referentially, if the show works out its own identity and its own life ambition, I think it can only continue to go from strength to strength. I think part of why this is a very big deal for me is with the book as it is and some of the other shows that we're seeing brand new coming both to regional theatres and beyond at the moment, how much of a life is this show going to have if it doesn't feel fresh? And I don't mean that in a everything has to be, it has to be reinventing itself every five minutes, but part of having that sense of identity and, you know, even just simply being proud to be from the North, like that's great and that's fantastic and we need more of that. But let's also firmly say, you know, we're going to be in the North in the 2010s because that's a very specific time period. And yes, there's going to be those little references that might have to be just tweaked and updated as we go on. I think one thing I will say is that the show thankfully hasn't lost its Northern roots. So if we can still be so fundamentally Northern and so absolutely confident that we're set in the North, we can pick a time period and have the same confidence behind it because I wouldn't want the Northern side of things to be diluted. So just finding the identity beyond being a Northern musical is kind of the key to this having that longer life. Yeah, I think you're completely right there because this is a show that is kind of on the edge of being very big commercial theatre, but still retaining that local, regional, produced coziness, I suppose. And as long as it's got that coziness, I think we're in for a very long life. Yes. Anything else that you'd like to add? I think that's everything for me about the show itself. I do want to just do a tiny little, I did say it was coming, a tiny little Charlie rant um, about 
specifically when we saw it at the Peacock on press night. And I've had this tiny little rant before, but I think it is important and I'm going to keep having it until people sort their attitudes out. If you're being invited to a show to promote the show, please watch and engage with the show and don't, I don't know, sit on your phone all the way through because it's horrendously distracting to those of us who do want to watch the show. It's also quite embarrassing for you that you care that little about something, but also fundamentally that is going to rub off on the show. If those are the influencers who are being invited to watch the show and they're not watching the show, other audience members are also going to notice that and go, oh, if the people being invited along can't even watch it, why should we care about this? Like this is happening a lot now. And even as a member of the theatre press in air quotes, it's getting harder and harder to ignore this at things like press nights. And don't get me wrong, I know that press nights are going to be worse than other nights. But actually, if you want to have your glitzy influencers there to promote the show, maybe get the press in on a different night. Because if I've got the screen of a phone screen on my right, a phone screen in front of me, and then another phone screen, you know, two or three rows in front, that I'm not watching the show at this stage. I think, yeah. I, again, don't want to fuel your rant anymore um, because this is probably another conversation for another uh, podcast episode. Audience members think that performers can't see that on stage. They can. And I think that you can always tell when people start to rush performances this is a general statement, not specifically to this particular press night, but you can tell when people just want to get the show done and out of the way. And if people are viewing that show for the first time and the performers are rushing to get things out of the way and just get it done because they can tell that the audience isn't paying attention, no one has a good time. So I think basic briefing of what to expect in the theatre, what to do, what not to do, just makes the whole experience a lot more pleasant for everyone involved. But I also say this as someone whose phone never leaves my side and it is glued to my hand most of the time. If you can't put your phone down for three hours, you've got a problem. Again, another conversation for another podcast. I just, I just think that we can all be tech free in our lives for a few hours a day. I don't think it's that hard. I, I agree. And I work in social media, so I find it very difficult to be tech free for a couple of hours a day, but I manage it. Anyway, like I say, not aimed at the show itself, just related to the experience and remiss of me to talk about the press night without mentioning that bit as well. That though, is everybody talked about Jamie? Yes. I feel like We'll probably do a follow-up on this show because we'll end up talking about the film and then we'll end up talking about the show some more. So if you enjoyed it, let us know. Get in touch on social media. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Jamie. Are you from Sheffield? Do you get the references? Do you know where Meadowhall is? Because I think I was the only person who laughed at that joke. I laughed. Yeah, but you don't count. <laughs> You know where Meadowhall is. Let us know if you've missed the Super Tram or got delayed on the Super Tram as well. I will pass those thoughts on to my contact at Sheffield Super Tram. Let us know if you've ever been to Meadowhall. 
all been on the super tram. Yeah. Yeah. We love to hear, we love to hear these things. I love to talk about the north. We do. We are on social media. We are on Instagram and Threads at Overstudies Blog. You can also find us on Blue Sky. We are at overstudies.co.uk. You can go to our website www.overstudies.co.uk. There's a little contact form that you can use to get in touch there. And you can also send us an email stage at overstudies.co.uk. Yes, you can. Wherever you are listening to us, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't already, now is your reminder to hit that subscribe button and be the first to find out about all of our new episodes. Yes, those who are subscribed get a little notification, maybe a little bit earlier than we post about it. So it's definitely in your best interest to hit that subscribe button. It really is indeed. And if you are listening on Spotify, you can answer our question of the week this week, which is... What would your drag name be? I know what mine would be. What would it be? I'm not telling you. It's not safe for podcasting. Okay. I was hoping you had one because I don't think I've got one. <laughs> no, I just, I don't think I'd be very good at drag. I could see you as a drag king, to be fair. I would be a very good lip syncer. Okay. It is my contribution to that. <laughs> I, I, I think I would just, I don't like wearing wigs. Sparkly makeup hurts my eyes. So I just think, I don't think the drag life is... I'm not cut out for it. No, that's that's fair enough. Like I say, my drag name is not safe. For, uh, we'd have to take this as an explicit episode. I think anyone who wants to find that out can um, drop you a DM. Yeah. <laughs> Slide into my messages and I'll let you know what that one is. Um, uh, close friends only. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have been the Overstudies. My name has been Charlie. And mine's been Becky. And yeah, this was our episode on everybody's talking about Jamie. We will be back next time, same time, same place with another show treatment. If you have anything you'd like us to give the Overstudies treatment to, let us know. If not, tune in next week to find out what we talk about. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.